for just about everything for the outdoors. Go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit AbyssBattery.com. On today's show, collection, reflection, and dissection time, y'all. It's all about elk hunting miscues or mistakes that we and others experience this season and our advice on what to do to avoid them. Y'all, it's part four of our elk hunting mentality, mistakes, and mentor series. Our actual boots on the ground in 2023 season experiences are as real as it gets to help you learn, prepare, and get on that success train in 2024. So pull up a chair, warm up to the campfire, and let's have a conversation. That discussion, our Elk Bros shout-outs and questions from our awesome Elk Bros mailbox. So, my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkBros.com, with your host, Gilbert Ornelas, and Elk Hunting Coach Joe Gilly. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy the show. And as always, for our blue collar hunters following our show and grinding it out with us every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, the host of your show, coming to you from Spring, Texas, and joining me tonight's crew. We've got the legend from Cuesta, New Mexico, Mr. R.C. Knox is in the house. We've got the ninja, Mr. Leroy Chavez, our elk hunting coach himself, Mr. Joe Gilly is in the house at WWJGD. We got the man with the golden voice, the owner of Western Contours, the owner of Western Fly Covers, and the none, none other than Mr. Guy Duplanche is Better in the boys. house. And y'all from Rosie Country. That's right. From Rosie Country. It's our brother from the Pacific Northwest, world champion elk caller himself and elk whisperer himself. Mr. Tony Gilbertson's in the house. Tony. What's going on, guys? Hey, hey. hey. hey fellas. <laughs> Welcome to the group. And and for people that aren't seeing Chab, if you're looking on this on YouTube, that's why we call him the ninja. He's here. Yeah. He's here, <laughs> but he ain't here. Can't see him or hear him. 
You just can't see him. Oh, man. If anybody's going to have technical difficulties, it's going to be Cabez, man. So he, he might just pop in. I don't know why in. he just don't walk down to your house, I Joe. Know, he lives two yards from you. Yeah, you and know. Shoot him with a seven mag from there. Yeah. You know what it is? He's sitting there and he's got his underwear on instead. You know? Oh, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> oh Tony, Tony, so glad to have you here, man. Hey, hey, thanks a lot for having me back, guys. Just, I had a blast last time. I'm sure this is going to be fun tonight, too. Absolutely. Yeah, what's cool, what's cool about this is it's not, you know, you're just here with the crew, man. You came in to join. You're just part of the elk camp here uh, helping us out with this because this, this is – this is so cool what we're doing here and trying to identify things. And look at this, you know, we've got guy up there in Colorado, man. We've got you over there in the PNW, man. So uh, we've got what we've done this year from Canada down to New Mexico. So there's a lot of representation here. A lot of people that have seen a lot of things, heard a lot of things. So uh, we're really looking forward to that. But um, one thing I wanted to do is I, you know, I really wanted to commend you, Corey, Donnie, that whole crew that does something really, really special. Um, and it, it's something that every year, it, when you do something like this, I imagine it's a, it's, I know it is because I've done some things with wounded warriors that just rock my world. And, uh, uh, you guys had the opportunity to do something special with a young man. You you want to talk about that? I, I can, yeah. Um, so, uh, Corey and Don, this is my my third year. Corey uh, and Donnie invited me into their uh, their group of just just an amazing group of guys that that just do this selfless act of uh, <clears throat> just compassion and kindness for these kids. Uh, this year we had a young man who's 14 years old. His name was Sam, and he was in his a uh, little over a year now. He's been in remission after being diagnosed with leukemia. Right. Uh, his brother was there, who was the bone marrow donor, and and then his dad. And uh, you know, we we went around. Uh, I think it was the first couple of days, and and struggled a bit trying to find. Uh, elk, and then all of a sudden we just hit the jackpot. And uh, man, I'll tell you, we it it was it was absolutely amazing to experience uh, that whole ordeal and how it went down. Um, there was a the, the parents of uh, of a young man um, who has since passed away happened to show up in camp yep. there. From last yeah, year, right? Yeah. From last year, and and I'll tell you what, man, I <laughs> there wasn't a there wasn't a dry eye after after Sam uh, shot that bull, uh, and and to have it all happen in the presence of of uh, Austin's mom and dad there, it was it was pretty special. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's life 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 altering experience. You know, we 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 think about. You know the things that that happen, you know, to all of us on a daily basis that we get frustrated about. But you know, those are pretty minor things compared Very to what minor. these people yes, have been through. So I I think it's 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 just a it's a good reminder for me to just be thankful for for you know what I have and my health and 
by family and and it's just you know I, I reflect on that throughout the year and you know I actually get frustrated with myself when I get you know you know sad about something or angry about something because I my my problems are nothing compared to what some of these folks are puts things in yeah. perspective right it... <laughs> absolutely yeah absolutely yeah. yeah, so I'm excited to see that that film and how it turns out once they get it done. But it, it's it's going to be a special. A special and if event. nobody's really, if you haven't seen any of these, go over to the Elk 101. Um, watch the one on Austin last year. Um, if you're if you're not touched by that event, uh, I man, you're you're a lot tougher than I am uh, because you know what uh, Donnie and Corey have done and. And and not and they have a whole supporting cast and people that help to make that happen yourself and you know it's um just my hat tip of the hat from the Elk Bros to all y'all to yeah for making a difference in a family's life not just that individual you know uh, you know when when you're the father and mother brother sister uncle grandparent of uh of a young person with a terminal illness and uh or that has had a battle like that you know we've experienced that going through what we have with chap man and yeah. uh you know for you guys to do that for people like that it it um brings a bright spot um in in that moment and in those people's lives with a memory that they'll cherish forever so thank you for creating a ripple effect with kindness man yeah, I, I'm so mm -hmm. I'm I'm so grateful for the opportunity that, that Corey and Donnie gave me to be a part of that experience because it it, it really it, it is special and for I mean Outfitters for Hope is a is a great organization and and they do this stuff to help these kids and and is, uh, is there some place where folks can actually help out that organization to donate to that It's called Outfitters for Hope. Yeah, Outfitters for Hope. Mm -hmm. uh you know I, I think they've they've done some they've done some gofundmes in the past uh i but yes you can you can uh contact outfitters for hope and, and donate and i would encourage anybody that that has a has a heart for for this kind of uh you know generous generous act of kindness to to just you know look them up and 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 you know uh this is the outdoors make a wish, basically, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So it'd be, really, it would really be, I'm sorry, it'd be outfitters number four hope yeah. dot org. Outfitters four yeah. hope dot org. Number four. Number four. Yeah. Number four, yeah. Very cool. And, you know, I mean, and not only was that, that person was extremely lucky because none of y'all call worth a crap. So it's amazing. <laughs> that <laughs> it, 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 it absolutely is amazing i mean we, we struggled i mean i i swallowed i swallowed one of my calls and choked on <laughs> me and you both brother Corey does a great job and this year this year we had we had a, an experience with a there were two bull i'm not going to give away too much of it but you guys just watch the video when it comes out because there was a there was a bull that that 
that was there that we wish would breed more often and breed more <laughs> dumb bulls because oh, really? this, this is about one of the dumbest bulls I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like I said, I'm not going to give I'm not going to give anything away. You guys are going to have to watch the film, but it was it was pretty funny. Awesome. Yeah, y'all y'all need to give us a way. If that's the dumbest bull ever, some we need a waypoint. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. there's gonna be more I, of them around there. I got one, but I'll tell you, it's hard to get a tag in that unit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, awesome, man! Welcome to us. Uh, uh, we're glad Thank to have you here tonight. Here. We got a lot that we're going to get on here, man, Gil. So let's rock this thing. Yeah, let's get this party started. Head over to the Elk Bros mailbox. Elk Bros mailbox, man. Chav, you're up first, brother. Okay, can you guys hear me? Okay. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Got you loud and proud. All right. Okay. Uh, this first letter comes from Jonathan Schaefer from North Carolina. And he says, I've done a lot of hunting here at home and in the Midwest and want to hunt elk for the first time. I am an avid bow hunter and hunt with the rifle as well. My question is, for a first-timer hunting elk, would you recommend hunting with my bow or going with a rifle to get one under my belt? Um, well, yeah, interesting. Uh, I can tell I you what Gilbert. I, I can tell you. Here, look, here it is, right here. You know, <laughs> yeah. If you want to hunt elk uh, with a bow, if you want to kill elk, kill elk with the rifle. With the rifle. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, uh, hunt elk like, with a bow or slap me in the face like a wet mom. As far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, my my viewpoint is I would recommend uh, hunting with a bow. I know it's a little bit tougher in a lot of respects, but at the same time, uh, I think you encounter more elk. Uh, uh, elk, if you've scouted a little bit, they can still be patterned early in the year. And uh, of course, calling is huge. If, if you can just do a minuscule calling, you can at least locate them. You'll hear some elk. And I think that's part of the adventure is hearing a, a bull bugle, whether it's close by or at a distance. Of course, the closer it gets, the more exciting it gets. But uh, I know uh, I've bow hunted all my life, never rifle hunted. And uh, I've had a lot of close encounters. And it just uh, just being out there in, in a cool September morning, hearing a bull elk, can't beat that. So that, that's my take on it. If you guys want to add some more. What experience are you looking for? <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. it, it is, it is yeah. a 180 in my opinion. I mean, if it's mm -hmm. early rifle season, but you're not going to get those close encounters like Chav is talking about, right? I mean, that... Yeah. Yeah, it really depends on what they're looking for, huh, guy? I mean, if you're looking for a bow hunting experience where you're actually engaging the animal and, and calling him to you and, and per, you know, perhaps seeing what it's like to hunt him during the rut, much like hunting whitetail in the rut or anything else that you've probably done in North Carolina, um, <clears throat> hunting, being able to call animals in is the ultimate experience. And I said, that, and they're right, hunting elk with a bow is hunting elk, right? Um, you know, every bull I saw this year, I killed him stone dead with a rifle. It's hard. Bow hunting elk is hard. Uh, it's not easy, right? But neither is it with a rifle. I was going to say, say there's a, a misconception right? yeah. that <laughs> one is easier than the other in that question. 100%. Correct. Correct. Because each season brings its own it's challenges. challenges. Yeah. 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 Now, I, I'll tell you this. Like here in New Mexico, 
on private land, um, you know, that first rifle hunt is October 1st, right? And then sometimes we have muzzleloader hunts that are October 6th. And, you know, I've had people that I've known that have rifle hunted elk for 20 years, but they never had been there during when the bulls were talking. And yeah. once they did that, it was like, oh my God, this is yeah. just awesome. The you model. know, uh, and I mean, it's when you say like, Gil, you're like, man, all these elk that I saw during archery season, I could have killed stone dead with a rifle. True. Well, until you got a rifle tag not, in your pocket. Yeah, yeah until they're you have a rifle around, tag. Be able to hunt them during, during both. Yeah, seasons. they're not around. Yeah. There's different. There's different. You, know, you push that. You push that a month, and the elk are in a whole different phase. You know, absolutely. It's it's different. But what what I'm saying is true. If you could hunt, that's why they don't let you hunt. You know, in in the. Uh, I mean, it's true. I mean, it's numbers game. And people in the, you know, all the departments of wildlife, fishing game, they know that. If you hunt the rut with a rifle, you're going to kill twice as many elk. I mean, that's just, that's just 100% a fact, right? So they know that. And that's why, you know, it's a, it's a long season. I'm glad of that for bow hunting because, you know, in, in, at, you know, in New Mexico where we hunt, it's, you know, it's two weeks, you know, uh, it's not like Colorado where you got a whole month to go hunt right yeah or other states where you got a whole month to go hunt so you know you're up against a time crunch and i i absolutely love it i'm a bow hunter from the word go i very rarely pull my rifle out unless i'm going hog hunting or something like that you know uh we we do use rifles down here to nil guy hunt and stuff because they're extremely challenging uh to hunt with a bow so um at, at the end of the day i'm a i'm a diehard bow hunter but tony um, the rifle hunting is cool. Yeah, I've I've had I've had that same question posed mm -hmm. to me, and and the advice I give them is, if you've not if if you haven't hunted with a rifle or a bow, go out and bow hunt first because yeah. if I you like bow it. hunt, bow hunting and and you don't like it for some reason, you want to try rifle hunting, bow hunting is going to make you a better rifle hunter. Most That's definitely, heck yeah. I mean, most all, all of the things that you learn. Yep. the woodsmanship and 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 just learning mm -hmm. learning how the animals react and respond uh, you know you can you can elk talk all year long they don't just they do. talk during the rut you know so uh, just trying to understand you know how they interact with each other in a herd during the rut and and being able to i mean you, you got to be you got to be sneaky right got to be like a ninja Right. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of the things that when I when I when the mafia started hunting with Joe most of the time, I I started hunting with Chav. And man, Chav was the one that really taught me about when to shut up, you know. Yeah. And we're kind of getting into some content here, but um Chav told me when to be vocal and taught me when to be vocal and when to shut up. And when you're in the middle of them, you don't need to say anything. Just yeah. sneak on in there like a ninja and put a shiv in one of them, man. I mean, you don't have to yeah. say a word if you can sneak up on them. Man. I do have to say, though, I can't imagine anybody who experienced archery hunting during the rut with with mm -hmm. bulls. I'm, you know, I mean, I, you mm -hmm. know me. I'm passionate about calling elk and, and, and interacting mm -hmm. with, with bulls. I can't imagine anybody having that experience with a bull standing out there. You know, it, it well, for us on the coast, you know, five, 10 yards sometimes just screaming her heads off and, and, and tearing stuff up and, and not wanting to experience that every year. No doubt. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. Uh, to me, if you're into the intimacy 
I guess is the best way I can say it. If it's about the intimacy with the animal, really understanding, knowing, experiencing up close, personal, um, and knowing that uh, it's not going to be about passing and passing. You know, you hear that a lot with with Mm -hmm. rifle a lot of time. You know, I passed on that, I passed on that, you know, and a lot of times with that, unless you're Guy Duplanchet, he passes everything, but, you know. (laughs) That ain't true. I don't know, but I'm going to pass everything in the SOB. (laughs) Just because I ain't shooting a spike or a little raghorn. <laughs> but a lot of the times, I mean, it's not that you have the opportunity to pass. It's just you don't have the opportunity for the shot, and you're going to be so right. close so many times. Yeah. So, oh, man, you know, yeah. like Guy said, I, it depends on what kind of experience you're in for. If, you know, if it's, and and I'll tell you this, man, you know, I can't say that it's a harder hunt because, you know, as a guide and an outfitter, I see how hard it is during that, you know, later October, November, when those, you know, when situations and conditions and those big boys have gone and hidden and they're only traveling, you know, a few hundred yards so that you're never seeing them, you know, I mean, it gets tough. I mean, you got to really be on your game. You have to hunt hard in all of these situations and any of them can bring a grind in its own way. But I I think it's not so much about that as it is about the intimacy, the knowledge you have to have. And like they said, man, just the first time that you hear that haunting noise, on a distance is one thing, but yeah. when you have that booger right there, face. man, screaming at you and feeling <laughs> that, oh my, and it just raises the hair on the back can, of your neck, man. And can feel it in your soul. It, it, it goes all through. Soul, and and mm. I think that's what becomes so addictive. That's cool. why you Absolutely. have people yeah. flocking to these mountains to have that experience, right? So, yeah. I, I, it's it's a it's a tough one. I mean, you know, he's talking about um, first his time. first his first time. Uh, mm-hmm. You're you're right on when you say the um, the intimacy, intimacy of of being out there and that close. And uh, but to me, it's like any elk is a trophy. Heck yeah. And when yeah. you can get that under your belt, it's like, okay, now, you know, I, and I, I would personally say, yeah, pick up that bow and go try it. Yeah. Go do it. You know, if you're. Learn how to call brother. Exactly. And if it happens, that's great. But if you really, um, I don't know if you're buying a cat over the counter. If you're going on private, that's a different story too. Yeah, over the counter, that's that's a tough hunt. That's what you so do is you go over the counter bow or or small, you know, light point draw right. unit with your bow, and right. mm-hmm. you know if you can afford it and got the time off of work and and mama's all for it and go get yourself a landowner tag and. You know, yep. get a get a rifle hunt that way as well. Mm-hmm. I know yeah. Gil can point you in the right direction to an outfitter. Yes, well, sir. there's even some states that you can hunt archery, and then if you don't kill, you can hunt with your bow, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Or vice versa. Or it actually versa, starts yeah. with bow, and you could roll into rifle. I think Idaho right. goes yeah. bow, muzzleloader. Wait, huh? bow, rifle, muzzleloader. Back to bow, I think it is. And really? I think, oh, interesting. Yeah, it, 
It's a trip. It bounces, and I think it goes all the way through the end of December or something like that, and I might be off, so forgive me, folks. Yeah. Um, Wyoming's another one. You can go on that special tag. Yeah. And uh, you go, you know, you get your archery hunt in. You you don't score there. I believe you can go back, uh, I think it's end of December to the middle or end of January on that special tag for a non-res. Wasn't that the way it was in Canada? Those guys up there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, in Canada, they thought. They yeah. go to a certain time and then they can go to the rifle, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's a, I mean, I, that's a sweet, I, I like that deal there. Yeah. Oh, it's pretty they, cool. Yeah. It Put goes some meat on the, in the freezer. Yeah. That's what so Jonathan <laughs> from, from this group right here, you better start shooting that bow, man. Get it ready. And learning how to call. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Figure it out a call, pick up some, pick up some diaphragm calls and just, just start practicing. I yeah. wonder if that's the crux of the question. Right, because it's a first-time elk hunter is, is the calling, and we've we've talked about it. And that's again, it's a content thing. Sorry, Gil. Um, it's okay. But it could be the issues with the calling that we've talked about and seen through, you know, through this last season. So, but uh, yeah, I, and, and I'm and we'll spill that tea here coming up pretty soon, right? Get to the the juice of that because it's super. <laughs> if you're gonna go bow hunt during the rut, man, or even early mm-hmm. season, you better be learn learn how to speak the language and make real elk sounds start now don't wait yeah, don't wait pick up start a bow and start hunting next year you start now pick up your calls get your bow Amen. start shooting but I, and, I, and i'm gonna tell you jonathan and this is how i feel about it because when i first started you know i didn't have that ability to call right i didn't do that i i used my hunting skill set that i had so if i had the very same hunting skill set as a rifle hunter i can still go out and have an incredible close yes encounters with them with even without calling now is calling going to calling as absolutely going to change the game as far as efficiency but you can have some incredible experiences so yeah get rocking and roll man listen to the show yeah Yeah. Yeah, get on our base camp there you go all right out of atlanta georgia mr kent denning hello fellows i love your show and thanks for all the free content you put out my son and I are complete hunting elk hunting newbies looking to try our uh, to draw our first hunt. For us, all these point systems are somewhat overwhelming. My question is: <laughs> At 58, my son is 26. Should we start applying for tags and purchasing points in each of the western states, or just focus our efforts on one state? It seems like the whole point thing can be a long-term money suck uh, if we don't go <laughs> go at it the right way. What would you do? Go hunt elk. Yeah. Don't worry about the freaking point systems. Put in for New Mexico. Go OTC somewhere. Look for a zero-point yes, draw. Yes. Look for a one-point draw. And just toss your cards in, man. Don't play the points. Just go. Yeah, That's my input Let on that one. Let the points fall where they may. So point, point system. Long. Invest, yes, no. No, not at this point. Yeah. Point creep. Percentages are changing, and I'm not saying it's a negative, right? It's it's no, great for residents, but, but it ain't good for the out out of state. Right, non-residents are getting smaller and smaller percentages yeah. of tag allocation. Yeah. So point creep is just escalating, escalating, escalating. Right, Wyoming was a 70-30. They're at an 80-20. Give it a couple three years, maybe, and they're going to be at a 90-10 split. I mean, they're pretty aggressive in terms of shrinking that non-res pool. So I would really, really. Do you see already at a ninety ten? Do you see the point system imploding? Yes, 
I think so. I think so with, with all the point creep that's, that folks have experienced. Now they're starting to look at, you know, things like point banking. Um, if they start doing that, then, you know, guys who have 20 points, if they, depending on how they do the banking, now they're going to be looking at 15, 16 points. They just wasted four to five years of points, whatever those points cost. I mean, if you look at YO, 35, no, $45 if you're purchasing points every year. If you don't purchase points uh, for more than two years, you lose all your points. So it, it you know, you got, you look at New it's Mexico, a it's a true lottery. Put in for a true lottery, right? Yep. Uh, don't come to Colorado. We, we don't have any more OTC tags. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Go to the, right. the PNW. Um, the PNW. Tailbrosadventures.com. <laughs> you know, I was playing points for a long time. And man, you start looking at that allocation and where that stuff is going. And you look at the money that you put in. And you're just, I mean, it, it, it's not worth it. And then a lot of guys will put in for those states that they have points in. They don't get drawn. And guess what they do is they sit at home and wait for the next year. Well, every year you wait, that could have been your last September. Why wait? Just go hunt. Who cares if it's the worst unit in the state, if it's available tags and they say there's elk, go find the and elk. So just just asking here for like Colorado, I think even Wyo, couldn't you say something like, you know, it would be worth your while to get two points or three points in those states so that you can hit one of those general tags in like Wyo or so that you can hit one of those um, limited tags that are real low point type of uh tags there because i know there's a couple of them that really are are one or two point even though they're limited draw they're kept at like one or two points they're just not so is it that depends on how many people are applying right yeah, so right. i have i believe i have six points in wyoming no wait no that's that's bs what year is this <laughs> 23 <laughs> it's that old age kicking in man. Five, i got five points five points in wyoming I'm putting in for a unit that's well under my five points. I still have yet to go back. What do you um, need to I've draw been, a general tag in Wyo? It depends on the unit. There, it's a the unit. Points. It's unit based, right? Yeah. So, like here in Colorado, you can put in for a zero point draw unit. Yeah. It just depends on how many people you know put in for that. Right. Um, you know, one two points. That's fine. My thing is, is do not rely on a point system. Go hunt elk. Right. If you want mm -hmm. to put in and, and, you know, I don't want to say piss money away, but at this point playing a point game, that's where it is in my head. By all means, send me the money. Um, I'll, <laughs> I'll mark this paper up with your points every year. You got one already. Send me $56. <laughs> so what, what do you think go, you were investing? Go hunt. Right? What were you investing huh? in a year to be able to on, on points and, and, and what it took to actually, because I think in some states, not only is the points, you got to get like, you got to get your, your small game license, right. and things right. like that. Right. So you, you look at a small game license for a non-resident across the West, say the average is $120, mm -hmm. right? So you got 120 bucks plus you got, you know, if you're putting in for the tag is one thing. If you're just buying the points, you're looking at, you know, 35 to $45. So now I'm pushing 200 that's one state now if i decide that i want to get points in all over the west say i looked at utah i want to go to utah i put in for whatever their requirement is small game or, or you know 
my big game license or some kind of non-res hunting fishing combo at you know 150 bucks and then i put in for whatever the draw is some states are nine dollars some states are twelve dollars some states are twenty five dollars if i don't draw guess what i have a tag or excuse me a license that i may not use if i can go otc in colorado well then i just wasted my money in utah right and there's no there's no getting that back so i'm just not a fan of it man i'm gonna go hunt i'm gonna do my due diligence i'm gonna find out and that's one of the reasons i came started coming to colorado it was easy i could walk into the state go into walmart find a unit and hunt right yeah. and then if I want to put in, I put in. If I get lucky, I get lucky. Great. If not, guess what? I'm going to the OTC unit. But you know, for just, people I, that don't live in any of those Western states, their options yeah. are getting ready to run out that force them to get into that game. So, again. Not, but you don't have to. That's my point is you don't have to play the point game. No, you don't. Right? His question is, should we start playing the point game or just focus our efforts. Now you don't necessarily have to focus your efforts in one state. New Mexico is a completely, that's the best system there is. 110% lottery, you put in, you get it. There's no point system, there's no accumulation. If you're just a lucky SOB like Gilbert, you can hunt the same two units five years in a row. Yep. Mule deer, elk, whatever, yep. right? I just don't, I don't see the point in no. going and spending Three, or you can buy land dollars. Okay, if you go that way. There you go. Right. Yeah, and and I know where you can get them. Elkbrosadventures.com. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only reason you said it. Oh, you're yeah. shameless, dude. You're shameless, but yeah. what, that's what I'm, I'm not shameless. Say, uh, I'm giving, I'm giving Mr. Can... Kent Denning a, a way to take his boy elk on well, every year. Well, and I don't know if it's every year. I mean, that's why I was going to ask the question, like, you know, if you did play that game in every one of these western states what is that going to cost you per year right so when you take a look at what that costs and and i see the numbers rolling in your head there guy what do you think that would be a problem i'm saying you're 1200 bucks if you're okay. across the west so you, you take 1200 bucks right um and you know you have maybe mm -hmm. an opportunity to do something with a landowner or a trespass or you know um and and if not or you know, instead of instead of watching that burn year after year for five years you you keep collecting that for three years and you're buying a landowner tag right so uh possibly it that stuff's kind of going too and that's what's going to happen is they're they're driving up because of scarcity as well right mm -hmm. yeah well I, i'm saying mr denning that you are 110 percent correct that the long-term money suck is exactly what the tag system has become across the West. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, just just move Very to much. one of those Western states and you can go get you a tag. That's the other option. That's right. <laughs> yeah. My God, Duplanche did. Not Colorado. We're full. <laughs> we're full. <laughs> yeah. We're yeah. not in New Mexico. Please give us a call. We'll Guy have tags available. You and your son come hunt with us. I'm, I'm probably in. the worst transplant in the world, dude. <laughs> I came in and closed the door. Everybody. <laughs> he shut the door behind him when he walked through. He oh, shut man, the door and locked it. It's man. so funny. Yeah. Threw the key away. Hey, thanks for that question, man. Can't really uh, good question. I, I've never played that game and I don't want to play it. I, yeah, it ain't worth it anymore.
Yeah. Well, guys, you know what time it is. It's shout time for our old bro shout, shout out. Outs. Shout if you're new to the show, this is just shout, shout out to followers in a few cities with the most literisters. Topping our charts this week. <laughs> what, what did you say with the most what? The most what? Listeners. Oh. He said, listen. He I said, thought he said litterers. Litter, litter, litter. Well, earlier I didn't want to give him guff on it, but since Joe just did, he said Pacific Northwest. Hey, guy, the way you said that made it sound a little bit. Uh, yeah, exactly. He said it. Guys drinking interrupt him. I'm always goofing, so I just kept my mouth shut until Joe called on him. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna get. I'm, I'm getting us under control. First, we're gonna reward some reviewers, y'all. You started it, Joe. <laughs> For those folks that leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or give us a comment on our YouTube channel and include their name and where they're from, we are placing their names in our Elk Bros <clears throat> Spinner Winner Wheel. So here it is, y'all. The Elk Bros Spinner Winner Wheel. Today's winner. We'll get one of Travis O'Shea's incredible Wapiti River Outdoors diaphragm calls and one of our new Burnham Red diaphragms produced by our friends over at Native by Carlton. There she blows right there, man. So we're going to go ahead and pull that up. Oh. Here we go. Ready to rock. And, yes, uh, man, we've got uh, we got John Child, Scott Schwab, Steve Osborne, Jason Schultz, Keith Durr, Justin St. James, Eric Reed, Ty Brooks, Bill Steiger, Timothy Welch, Charlie Newberry, Tom Roth, Rob Greer, Justin Gotham, Chris Talbot, Randy N. from Santa Fe, Scott Winter, Chris McKelvey, Cody Bosk, John Waldron, Ed Morris, Jim Coyle, Richard Williamson, and Coach Brandon Starr. And we are rocking. Oh, I hear it. Do y'all hear it? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Is it? Is it? Is it? Is it? Come on, come on, come on. We <laughs> 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 do Kentucky. Our brother Ed, Ed Morris. Congrats, Ed. Congrats, Ed. Ed, congratulations, oh. man. You got a couple calls coming your way. If, if listeners, if you haven't checked out Ed and, and the boys over there at Grizzled Outdoors podcast, you need to. It's great. It They're is putting, great. Yeah, it really is a good informative podcast that they put on for uh, for you AARP uh, <laughs> elk hunters. I'm just, <laughs> hey, few I, of I resemble here. that remark, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but they, I mean, it is it is a fun podcast, super informative. Those guys hit conservation out of the park. Um, just they do a great job over there, so please check them out. Chav, you got the first city. Okay, uh, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. This week's number one top listening city is located on the north shore of the Chicago metropolitan area. Because of its practice facility is ne is nearby, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and other Chicago Bulls lived here in their heydays. It was also the location for several movies, including Ferris Bueller's Day Off, oh, Weird Science, 16 wow. Candles, Home Alone and Uncle Buck. Oh my God! It is also, it is Classic. also the birth birthplace of John Robert Wright's most likely known as Robert Reed, and his role as Patriarch Mike Brady on the ABC sitcom The Brady Bunch, which aired from 1969 to 1974. And this is in Highland Park, Illinois. Highland Park, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Grew up with the Brady Bunch, y'all. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, Me too. Saw it's last movies. season and I was born. <laughs> <laughs> it's first season I was born. 
And except for Weird Science and 16 Candles, that's kind of an A-list for Bueller. Bueller. Oh, dude, are you kidding me? Weird Science is absolutely an A-list. Oh, my God, dude. Oh, have you ever, you've never seen it? I've never seen seen it. Now, Uncle you have dude. Oh, oh Uncle man, Buck you gotta see weird signs. Uncle Buck, that's every, that's every teenage boy's world. dream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Weird all. Oh, yeah. It is every teenage boy. Well, I, I yeah. don't. I don't <laughs> think. I don't think I went to a movie. <laughs> I don't think I went to a movie until I was sixteen, man. But but it should have. Well, been. they didn't have movie theaters until you were eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go to the saloon in burlesque shows. Joe, I've been your horse down. Joe, there. Joe was dropping pennies in a little pro- wood projector deal. Oh, yeah. oh my What's God. that boy doing behind that curtain? <laughs> oh. How is it that Chav and RC are both older than me? But I always catch this older, older than thing up here. You know? I, Chav has never saw... given me anything but love, and and RC is uh, my cook and silver smith. Exactly. <laughs> You're gonna have to step up your game, Joe. I guess man. that's what happens, man. Oh, okay. Up next, this small village with a population of just seventy-five in twenty twenty was originally called Mayo. I believe it's Mayo. I like a little bit of Mayo after settler H.T. Mayo. With the arrival of the railroad, railroad officials requested citizens to rename the town. Offended by the request, Mayo replied, you can name it Dante's Inferno for all I care. Well, y'all folks must have liked his suggestion. Big shout out to Dante, South Dakota. Careful what you wish for. Dante, South Dakota. Dante. Oh, have you been there, Gil? Uh, yes. Been through Dante <laughs> and the next city. So, yeah, been through most. We don't want to hear nothing about the North fishing or the restaurants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I've been, you know, that whole Bakken area up there, Joe, from Montana. Here we go. All the way over through New, through uh, uh, North Dakota and South Dakota, uh, they're finding <clears throat> even more stuff down there now. And even Nebraska, they got some geothermal stuff going on. So the upper Midwest is going to get get popping before it's over with. Well, I, unless they I, just ban all d- drilling and fracking all together, and then if they do that, we're all in a lot of trouble. Well, all I want to say, man, is is if they had a population of 75 in 2020, I don't know how much it's grown since then. So this is a huge shout out for you guys to be on our top list. Yeah. list. It, the whole family's got to yeah. be listening. So uh, <laughs> yeah, everybody and every family tree might not yeah. fork, Joe. And it might be all mm-hmm. solid well, well, Dan and Cimarron and my wife from Maxwell, we're from small town country where you stick your head out the window, you're out of town. So um, we are super proud to have Dante South Dakota on this list. Okay, Joe, next up, once the horse trading and livestock center of the country, our next top listening city was originally Fort Keogh, uh, named after Captain Miles Keogh, uh, whose horse was the lone survivor of a battle of Little Bighorn. Um, one, once a year, the town puts on a bucking horse sale for rodeo stock and uh, buyers and breeders in none other than Little Miles City, Montana. Miles City, west Montana. To west. You know, I'd stay in Miles City one time because all the hotels were <laughs> in uh, Dickinson, North Dakota. So you couldn't get a hotel room, so had to drive to Miles City to get it. Look, man, I'm telling you, up there, it's desolate. I told you. 
When I drove across the state of New, uh, North Dakota, I didn't see a car for two days. I said, I told my wife, I said, call my mom and see if the rapture comes. You didn't see a daggum car for two hours. I said, call mom and see if she answers the phone. Cause not, we, you know, the rapture doesn't come cause we ain't seen a soul in two and a half hours. You know? So Bill is the only person in the world that can make you feel like you've only walked a block in your life. <laughs> Good Lord, man. True. Oh, okay. I couldn't get a God. room. So I'd drive to Miles City, man. Yep. And man, that ain't much better either. I don't think I saw but two cars going to Miles. <laughs> yeah. The only thing so, I want to say about country. this, man, if that horse was the lone survivor of the Battle of the Bighorn yeah. and I was Captain Miles. I think I'd have stayed on my horse. <laughs> That's probably why he didn't stay on his horse. He's the exactly. only one that survived. Yep. Captain Miles is dead. The horse survived. He was the only smart one. <laughs> <laughs> this city was last civil the, the last civilized stop before the unexplored West. It was first settled by French trappers who named it Les Petite Coats or Little Hills, then renamed it San Carlos. San Carlos was anglicized to his current name after the U.S. acquired it from France during the Louisiana Purchase. This is the place if you want to visit the starting point of the Lewis and Clark Expedition. St. Charles, Missouri. St. Charles, Missouri. St. Charles, Missouri. Or Missouri, one of them. Yeah, the there. northern people say Missouri, the southern say Missouri. Yeah, I asked one of them that one time. <laughs> it, it, they absolutely have a preference. <laughs> they do. They do. Yeah. Missouri, is that the preference? Uh, well, the ones from the north. On where you're from. Yeah. <laughs> Missouri. Northern Missouri. Missouri. Yeah. Missouri. Yep. Main you know, content. Let's, yeah, there we go, guy. <laughs> On today's show, let's get back to talking to those uh, mistakes or misconceptions from the past season with tips on the possible ways to avoid um, them next season, right? I yeah. mean, that's kind of what we're here to do is help everybody avoid what we went through and everybody on this on our crew tonight, man, what, what problems they saw and how to mitigate those problems for next season. So, look, uh, and not only us, like, we get the opportunity to hear from, see, experience with other people as well of our own we get a chance to see some of that and what i think is really cool is like when we're doing our coaching y'all we get the opportunity to see a whole different perspective because we get those people that come all over from all over the united states and the stuff that we have been feeding them we could see how they apply it and how their perspectives are and and what they see from it and then i hear a lot of things you know just being out in the woods talking to people you hear so many things that a lot of times, because when people tell me something out in the woods, I don't want to sound like, you know, I'm criticizing them or this or that. And so sometimes you just bite your tongue a little bit, unless they ask you your opinion, doesn't mean you have to give it to them. Uh, and, but, but we hear some of these issues and problems and, and, and a lot of them are common things that we see or see here and experience. Right. So, that's what we want to do. And we have, like we said earlier, man, we got an incredible group here. 
um, all different ages, degrees of ugliness, you know, so <laughs> we get the opportunity to cover a lot of this, man. And uh, the degrees um, and ugliness, we got all masters and PhDs in this group, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, if you can't be handsome, at least you can be handy, right? So, <laughs> yeah. So, what, you know, this is so huge because all of y'all listening out there, you know, I just talked to a fella today on, uh, we have a new episode coming out. Uh, I want you to look for it um, where I just give a phone call to somebody that has sent in an email or a message about their season. And I just give them a phone call and start recording that as an episode. And we're just calling it yeah. camp conversations. It's just y'all. It's just uh Regular Joe, just like me out there, people, um, nobody in the industry that have had experiences that you're going through. So I give them a call and and we just let it go from there. And that's what we want to do with this is when I talked to that gentleman today, he said, you know, I heard this and I listened to this, but sometimes you just got experience for yourself. But you can sure make that decision that I'm not going to do this twice a lot quicker because you have some background of what other people have gone through. Right. So sure. Gil, last time when we left off and I said, we were going to come back to you boss, right? You were talking about how you saw issues with decisions. What hunters got a response. I mean, and I think, you know, so everybody understands that. I think you're talking about once hunters got some kind of response from an elk that they were either calling or raking or making some kind of noise. And then, and, and the issues that you saw with their decisions after that, you want to kind of go into that a little bit? Yeah. And, and it's twofold and, and Knox, you can jump in here with me too. Cause you were with us. You were with me most of the time in Canada. Um, you know, we were hunting with some guys that are, that are younger, that are, you know, not as experienced, but these guys are really good callers. I mean, they're, they're good at calling. Right. And, uh, we happened to be with them and they did some night bugling. We found a bull that was, or a group of bulls that were together in this mm -hmm. little pocket. Uh, and we decided to jump out on them on first light the next morning. And uh, when we pulled up on them tonight, bugle, the first bugle we hit, man, it was faint because the wind was going, but we heard the bull answers. So we got out of there, kind of marked where we were at, got out of there. And then uh, RC Knox, myself and, and a crew from our crew from Canada, we jumped in there the first thing that morning. Well, we didn't hardly get the door closed on the truck and, yeah. And I mean, bull. we actually kind of went down to where we thought he was going to be above it. Right. And then he's, he was, he's right there at the top of this ridge and he bugles and right down in the bottom bull. Well, you know, for me, the first time I get a response, first thing I do is check the wind, right? Which, which way is my wind going? And we had checked it going in there, but I knew once we started dropping down that the wind was going to change for us. So Knox and I are in the back and these guys want they want to just bail off and go right to him. And man, the wind's going right to the bull, right? I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. We can't do that. We gotta come around, right? So if we have bailed off, I mean, we're just our wind's gonna go right to him and he's gonna shut up and we're gonna wonder, man, where did he go? You know, but us knowing what we knew, we knew we needed to come up out the way we came in and circle around and get below him right and take the long way around well 
it almost, and we did it. Okay. And it took us a little while and man, we had to, now we had a bulldozer. We had a D nine cat in front of us, man. <laughs> Boy, man. Uh, I mean, he could make a, he could make a hole like I could brother. I'm telling you, uh, that, that young man's a, a big fella and he went through the woods falling down. I mean, we're falling down all kinds of stuff. And, and I felt like we got in, not we didn't get deep enough right we we stopped a little premature and that's where they wanted to set up and call it was one little pocket opening and there's four of us in there with bows right and i and man i mean we we got to where we needed to go he hits the call and the bull is literally 65 yards from us in the brush Okay. And I mean, when the bull opens up, he just goes absolutely bonkers. You see trees shaking. I mean, here he comes, right? We did exactly what we needed to do to get around him, right? But we didn't get to the right setup, right? So we did what we needed to do to get to the to, to get around him and not have him um hear us but i guarantee you what he did here was a whole bunch of crashing and banging and <laughs> limbs breaking and stuff like that us coming down below him so that probably piqued his interest to be interest to begin with and when we got in there and started making some cow sounds when dylan started cow calling and then you know a chuckled one time dude it was all like donkey kong he come roaring through there and almost trampled rc knox right if the bull walks to his right the bull's dead at three feet Knox kills him, right? But he decided to take a hard left. And when he did, he left everything from the neck down, uh, uh, you know, covered. All we could see is his head and his antlers and everything. And it is so thick there, right? So the decisions, once you get a response and your setup after that will depict how well your scenario turns out for you, right? Um, Knox, you got anything else to add to that? No, I think you're right on. I mean, you know, you just have to uh, play your onyx and make sure that there's not another bigger park somewhere or yeah. a bigger opening. I felt like, I mean, we we were, what, we were right on top of each other and it was just yeah. a real tight situation there, but it could have happened. It, but Knox is at full draw. I'm at full draw. Yeah. And all I need is a sliver to slip it in. I mean, it's 12 yards, you yeah. know. All I need is a sliver, but it looks like this, you know. I mean, it is absolutely tough to slip it in there. You can see his head and his neck, right, sticking up above that, above the, the bush, man. That stuff, those tallow trees are so thick in there. And uh, and had we have had we have looked on Onyx prior to diving off, mm -hmm. if we'd looked on Onyx, we'd have saw that opening seventy five yards below us <laughs> where we could have called him in, and he would have been forty five yards ish you know, coming into us and, and we'd have been on the other side of it. The stop and scan spot would have been in a kill zone. You know what I mean? Right, right. Uh, exactly. For him to come in there and look at. So, yep. um, and so then think, this year, Coach, go ahead, Joe. Do you think part of your error was, so I'm trying to list this out for people. Do you think part of that area was you had a tool to be able to tell what was in front of you, where that animal was? And, you, and I mean, because a lot of times, you know, we know it's hurry up and slow down sometimes, but yeah, it would have been it worth your while to, you know, to check that slow out down for that moment and, check it out. and yeah. then make the it decision. Would. It, it yeah. would have because we didn't need to make a sound yet, right? Yeah. In that tight quarters, we really didn't need to make a sound until <laughs> the setup was right, you know, but he heard us 
piling in there and you heard him above us like and then he went yeah yeah and it was on dude i mean he just come barreling through there and it was a beautiful six by six i mean the best bull we saw the whole time we were there you know and uh and look i we got i got him within uh uh i got him within that gum 52 yards of him when i caught him back for that young man you know and i'm telling you it was it was it was just bad luck a little bit of bad luck but had we had done a a little bit better diligence of looking on our onyx and seeing that opening below us we could have really i think we would have been a lot more successful now listen the bull walks to his left he's dead rc knox gonna kill him stone dead right right? so it's the difference of of, you know 18 inches one way 18 yeah just wasn't his day to die but again i think you give yourself better odds by looking and using the tools that you have yeah uh and we didn't do that. We didn't do that because we were, it took, it took us a long time to get around there. So I'm sure Dylan, uh, our, our host felt like he was pressed for time. He didn't want that bull to lose interest and get away. So I'm sure he's feeling like, man, it's taking us a long time to go around like these. And listen, man, these guys were so accommodating to me and RC. They would listen to anything we had to say, you know, like, Hey, no, we don't need to do that. Let's do this. And they were all like, Oh, we didn't think about that. I mean, they were just so pliable and so coachable. And I'm like, look, fellas, I'm not trying to tell you how to do anything, but I'm telling you, we bail off right here. This is over. We're done, man. And I I think on your time thing, you know, worrying about, you know, the time of going around and losing them and stuff, uh, you got to remember that that bull was night bugled. That bull was still in the same place when y'all got there in the morning. So I don't don't think you had too much to worry about there. But, you know, when when I looked at your, what you said here about issues with decisions, once you get a response, it it also made me think about it in a different way because of the things. And I absolutely think this is a huge, huge area because I've seen so many people that, you know, they're out there and they give a location bugle and then they hear one off there a half mile away and they're looking to set up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So instead of cutting that distance and and making something happen there. So that's in, you know, in one thing there is that, you know, I see so many people that once they get a response, they think that I need to get right here and make that bull come all the way to me. Right. And it's yeah. going to be way more efficient if you if you make it easy on that bull to and come. We did, man. We we run right up into his kitchen, man. I mean, seriously, in his hip pocket. Versus when RC and I were coaching this year on our coach hunt, where I had a hunter with me who's never hunted elk before, right? And as soon as I got the first response, opening morning, I mean, we we set up and just sitting there listening to a break day and. I, I a location bugle and the bull blows up right in front of me. That's about 350 yards, you know, and I'm, I'm looking at my, and we're coaching. We're not guiding, right? I'm looking at my hunter and he hears and he turns around and looks at me and, you know, I cow call and the bull blows up again. And he's looking at me and I'm looking at him. I'm going, all right, brother. You know, And he's like, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm like, man, I, I really can't tell this guy what to do. We should be running up that hill right there, you know, and putting eyes on this bull and going to him. And he just stays put like I'm going to call the bull to us, right. you know. And, and once the bull chuckled at us, I knew what we needed to do, right? I mean, he's calling us to him, right? He's right. saying, y'all come on over here, man. You know, and I, I never got him fired up enough to where he's 
he's lip balling or where he's challenging and he's storming in there on us. Right. So I knew what he wanted. He wanted to have us cut that distance. Right. And right. for me, that's exactly what I'm going to do. But our new hunter didn't know those things. Right. He didn't know that we need to cut that distance to get, try to get eyes on and get within that hundred yard bubble. Right. To really be able to set up and be efficient in the setup. Now there were multiple bulls there that morning. So that made it a little different too, because he's hearing other bulls sounding off. Even more important for us to move and get in the middle of it, right? I think going to what Jojo said there is I think, and then even with, with that hunter gill, is that I think when you're just breaking in, we'll say, understanding the distance at which you're hearing that bugle yeah. is a challenge, right? Definitely. You'll hear you hear those first few bugles and you're like, yeah, right you're looking, right? Like he, you think you're right on top and he's 400 yards off. Yeah. And then depending on the topography, right? It just, you may just be in a spot to where that sound is just piercing through you. I mean, you know, yeah, so I think that's one of the challenges too with that, with that premature setup. And that was one of the things that I sent Joe. Um, and I was going to ask Joe if we could switch my, my topic around there because it fit perfectly. And then, you know, that came in, but I think a lot of it, there's so many factors when you hear that bugle and folks don't realize that that's 400 yards and not 60. Yeah, and, and I want to tell you guys, because all of us know that we've got some things we're going to talk about tonight, but if you see something that relates to it and and you have a different aspect of that very same thing, yeah. rock with it, man. Go ahead and put that in there because, you know, not only is the premature set up, an issue to a response the other thing is is not letting it be dynamic once you've set up and you get an, a response so a lot of times you get a response you get into a setup and then all of a sudden that response sounds in a different direction where that animal's moving and you stay in a setup and lock into that um and not wanting to set up putting yourself where you're going to have shooting lanes or, or be in a better position when that animal does, or just friggin' moving because you know, he's like dropping off the hill and going a side hill and you got to get over there. So I, uh, you know, I see a lot of times people, they lock up, they, they lock up when they get the response, right? It's like, okay, uh, man, that, I, he, he responded to me. He's coming. And, and that can be an issue because a lot of times they hear a response and they think that's actually, they translate that into a bull responding to them and coming to them when that's yeah. not always the case. And then you right. do have the bull that's coming and he shifts direction for a reason or, 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 you know, one reason or another, and then you're not dynamic enough to make that, to put yourself in a better position to be able to get that shot. So you, you know what I'm talking about, Tony? I do. Um, you know, I think I, I, I hear this every year in the woods, you know, you talk about, you talk about people, especially folks that haven't archery hunted that long, mm -hmm. uh, and, and they hear that first bugle. It that is probably one of the most common mistakes that people make is to set up, you know, four or five hundred yards or more from that bull because you hear that bull bugling, and and they think that that bull is going to come to them. It's not going to happen nine times out of ten. Right. They're going to sit over there and they're going to call back at you. I mean, it's it's that game. You're just Hey, I'm over here. Hey, okay, I'm over here. Yeah. You've got to close the distance. Otherwise, you're going to play that game for an hour and you're going to go to bed and they're going to shut up. Yeah. 
They'll and get I, disgruntled I, with it and they'll be quiet. I, I want to make sure that, that mm -hmm. people know that when a bull is calling back and forth to you and not coming in from 400 yards, 300 yards, that's not a hung bull. Okay. Th that's not a hung bull. That That's a bull that has no reason to come in right now, right? Has zero. Now, when you get up there and you get in that bull's dish, and you can see that critter out there at 80 yards, you're seeing him and he's not coming any closer. That's a hung bull. And there's a reason yeah. why he's hung because he should be seeing that other elk, right? So, you know, people think and they hear, you know, okay, he kept screaming, he kept screaming, but he wouldn't come in. He wouldn't come in. Well, <laughs> yeah. You have to cut that up. Setup will, set will make it or break it for you. That, that's it, for sure. It, it really will. And even when you got a great setup, it can make it, it you know, <clears throat> things can get squirrely in a heartbeat. You know, Joe and I have hunted together for many years, and Joe's an unbelievable elk caller. And, you know, we're pretty good woodsmen, man. We can get right in up in the middle of them, put the Mohican sneaking on them and get right in the middle of their kitchen. One year, Joe and I were together and we actually got between these two big herd bulls. And I mean, these bulls were big bulls between him and what, 25 cows, Joe. I mean, there yeah. were, we actually got between both those bulls and the cows and they're coming brother. I mean, they got no choice. They're going to follow those cows. Right. And we're, 18 yards off the trail the cows just passed by us and this game is game set match big seven by seven big six by six man i'm talking hogs here they come and one bull one bull off about what half a mile joe bugles <laughs> both those bulls turned around and walked out of our life man i mean walked <laughs> out of our life left the cows man left the, left cows. the cows yeah left yeah. them i was like i mean we we're like and i'm telling gil dude get ready <laughs> this is, this is it this, he's this like is this it. is yeah. it and i'm like yeah. oh yeah this is gonna be a slam dunk here they come they're coming down the drainage that those cows came from they get within i don't know 185 yards from us man they're frontal and they, that bull hears that other bull and he turns around and both of them just stretch back to where they came from yeah. and joe and i let them get out of sight and then Man, we put it on the feet, dude, and ended up calling another bull in that I couldn't get a shot on, but it was a different satellite bull. But those bulls left that whole herd of cows, and I don't know, went half a mile away? I mean, it was just uncanny to watch that happen. But you can put yourself in some of the best positions, and it just ain't that bull's day to die, man. Yeah, that happened keep... to me this year. Yeah. Well, how's that? Well, I, we, we were over in Idaho, and... I was a shooter that day and I had uh, Jermaine and Eric was set up, 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 up the ridge for me calling. And we had this bull going and I kept working my way down the ridge because he wasn't getting any closer, mm -hmm. which is something that, you, you know, I mean, getting to what you were saying earlier, Joe, you've got to put yourself in the position that, that it takes to, to kill that bull, right? You can't I, just absolutely. set up and stay there so no. i'm moving in on that bull i've got trees i'm watching to you know to cover because i'm going down there's a shale shoot between me this bull's on either side of the ridge from me and all of a sudden we see we see movement down there so we're 67 yards from this bull and all of a sudden i hear this crashing 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 and, and his cows left him come over on my side on my ridge and i'm like oh game on this is 
This is an archery hunter's dream right here. You get those cows over on this side, and Eric and Jermaine are up the ridge from me, and I'm right here. I pick up my tube, and I challenge. I scream at that bull, and I challenge him. You think that bull come to me? No, he ran. He absolutely ran. I had his cows right here 50 yards from me. They walked right up to me, and that bull takes off and, and hightails it out of there. Yeah. All well, you need to do is just hang in there, huh? So, so yeah, those cows, you just don't know. Did did you ever get eyes on that bull, Tony? We did. What yeah. what 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 kind of bull? What kind of age would you have given him? You know, he he was a he was a big bull. I only I saw his body and and just part of his rack, but he was probably I don't know five or six year old bull. I'm guessing. Wow. And bull. what time of year was this? This was the seventeenth of September. Wow, man, I, that's. I that that is just so curious man like that because you know uh you know when the cows leave you know the cows are hearing Jermaine up there evidently right and, yeah, Jermaine and think, Eric are up there, thinking yeah. they had a little bit better suitor than what they were with at the time you know yep. left them and Maybe they must have cranky, because he, he wasn't willing oh, to fight for him been cranky and oh. treated him rough or something yeah, oh, yeah. yeah i don't know i don't well, know, I don't know if he dinners. was I mean, he could have been a he could have been a, a satellite bull that pulled off a few cows, and he got his butt whooped. And he's like, "Uh, uh-uh, I've heard that before. I'm yeah. out of here. You can have yeah. my ladies. I'm yeah. going. I'll go get yeah. some other ones. I'll go find me some board pick on. Yeah, it's a long season. There's more fish in the sea, right? That's right. <laughs> it just goes to show you. You know, you just you you just don't ever know. You can do everything right. Yeah. And and something can happen and it just it everything goes down the tube and, and then i've seen joe call them from a mile off i mean seriously yeah. three quarters of a mile and you hear one bugle and joe's on them big lungs of his <laughs> and he gets rolling and here they come and you know we all we just about give up on a bull and it's like well he ain't coming and then i say man hit it one more time and then he's been coming the whole time he's just been a long way off you know and then here he comes and we put him down you know and called him across a barrier too man i mean uphill uh you just never uphill yeah just things that you're not supposed to do you know yeah. so it just like you said mr tony it's it's 100 you know you're called you knew if you challenged him he should come try to run you over you know That's right and it backfired in your face so you just don't know you read the situation sometimes we're right and sometimes we're wrong yeah. you know but you have to do something grinders tuning in thank you for listening to the blue collar elk hunting podcast our goal is to share our knowledge and help you flatten that learning curve so that you too can have some of the very same incredible experiences that have given all of us here at Elk Bros a lifetime of memories. If you like what you hear or see, you can get all of this information plus so much more from our base camp elk hunting training camp. This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure using success-based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets, allowing you to see, visualize, understand, and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead, the next step, the next thought process, the next success. By tapping my 30 years of teaching and coaching experience, our camps are developed considering multiple learning modes with text, visuals, audio, as well as video. And Basecamp will benefit those new to elk hunting all the way to the 10 to 15 year vet. 
So if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year, invest in the most important piece of equipment there is, you and your elk hunting knowledge. You can find the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy and the Base Camp Training Camp at elkbros.com. That's E-L-K-B-R-O-S.com. Keep dreaming of the screaming, believing and achieving, and most of all, keep grinding. I mean, he very, the bull very well could have had another way to get to his cows that didn't bring him through Tony. I've, I did this. Yeah, you just don't know. But I, uh, years ago. To, to pull this all together, when it comes yeah. to you getting a response, um, you, you need to be aggressive for us. And, and are you going to blow some of those situations up? Yes, you are. Yeah. But uh, by being aggressive, you're going to find yourself in more killing situations than not. And, you know, so what that means is that always going to cut the distance to get it on that critter you got to read the terrain you got to read the amount of vegetation you have you always got to in in being aggressive you have to put yourself in the best position when you hear a response to make sure that you have shooting lanes if you have to move you're going to move and you got to do those things when you're responding to take a look at the situation you have if you don't know where you're at use your tools and make that a better situation so that's where where i'd like to give that advice on that guy um you had a, a an area that you wanted to talk about. And miscues or not reading the cues. Um, Explain that. So, I mean, it, as simplistic as possible, um, sending out a locate, getting a response, and then immediately start challenging. Or mm-hmm. hear a bull locating, hit him with cow calls, he locates back to you and you immediately start chuckling or challenging. Um, I mean, you talk about in terms of sign, right? You you got, you know, um, when they're stripping their velvet, um, you'll, you'll get those rubs on the trees and, and the guy will go in there and, Oh, we got these rubs. That rub has, you know, probably two, three month and a half of, of age on it. And then they get stuck in that area because they're seeing a couple of velvet, you know, um, where they're rubbing the velvet off. And, and it's not actually a rub, a, a territorial rub or a rut rub, air quote, um, you know, if you will, is just not reading those signs or, or reacting to sign the wrong way. Whatever that is, is, you know, dropping the rubs, starting with one approach and calling and then going into something else and, and your response just shuts off, right? You, you misread the situation or you, I don't know. I've seen it all, man. Um, the, the, the miscues are the biggest one. It, so how do you help them out me. with that, man? What would be your advice on, you know, because, all right, so you know that they're having miscues and misreads. What would be your advice on that? I mean, the biggest thing for me is if you, if you start off, it, I mean, it's been said a million times, right? If you, if you're going to start off your call and sequence scenario, whatever it is, starts off and work your way up then you can't go, you really can't go wrong. You will blow some situations. But if you start off with a cow call and that bull's responding, what is he responding? What is he saying in response? Now complete that action with like in kind. Do not just go in. We hear a bugle and everybody wants to, (laughs) right? And it kills it. It's like, wait a minute. You just started with soft calf calls. Yeah. 
and you responded to yourself with cow calls, now you're throwing a bull in there with some aggression. You have no idea what you're dealing with. And that bull just said, hey, Tony, yeah. I'm over yeah. here. Yeah. Right? Play. I mean, that's... Read the right, room. That was... You got to yeah, read the read room. The room. Yep. Uh, I mean, it, it is... 80% of, of some of the stuff I saw was just not reading the cues um, and not understanding what was going on in the situation. Yeah. So, Tony, over there with the Rosies, what do you see are the biggest miscues with them? You know, um, it's kind of the, it's kind of the same, uh, you know, Rosies are, uh, they act a lot like Rocky Mountain, but they do, um, these Rosies chuckle a lot more than what, you know, like you'll hear a full on bugle on Rocky Mountain Bull. These Roosevelt's for whatever reason, not that they don't bugle, but they do a lot more chuckling it seems, but you know, kind of back to what I was saying before, you know, about reading the room, you know, to, to Guy's point, you know, if if you get a bull to respond and and your first reaction or your first response back is, is to challenge that bull, nine times out of ten, that bull is oh, going to sure. turn and hightail it out of there, you know, work your way into it. And then for me personally, I, I, I try to emulate what that bull is saying. I, I try to mimic what he's saying because he, I'm not saying anything differently than what than what he is. It, it, you know, at some point, uh, you know, if we keep playing that game and he's hung up out there, then then yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably try to challenge him to see if that does something to change the atmosphere or his mood. So you're just gonna stick stick your toe in the water a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. that's the safest. I've found that's the safest bet regardless of whether it's Roosevelt or Rocky Mountain. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, the, the whole misread type thing, and, and I think that strictly everybody, I think it comes from what everybody has seen, you know, where, I mean, in calling competitions, the thing that turns you on is, you know, somebody screaming out a, a, a bugle and, you know, getting all the chuckles and the chuckle scream and, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah, it's freaking awesome, man. But, you know, again you got to understand the bull you're dealing with number one, right? You got to understand why did that bull respond? What did he respond to and give him what he wants. And sometimes that is not another bull sometimes, right? And 90% of the time it's not. And if it is another bull, you can introduce another bull without giving him a relationship to size temperament and things like that so you can use things like raking they don't have any idea how big that bull is you know when they hear a glunk when they hear uh, a huff or when they hear uh, a little moan or something like that they have no idea how big that other bull is over there so there's there's different things you can do now with the rosies i you know i've heard the very thing that you talked about is you know that chuckling and and that's the way it was in canada too with the rockies man man. you know it it was and it was that way in new mexico last year as well oh really interesting yeah yeah you know over here and the year before too joe uh yeah and in the coast range over here where I, where I hunt, it, it is, I, I mean, the, the big timber is almost all gone. It, it's, 
this patch is a reaper rod dug for, and, and the, the vegetation is so dense mm -hmm. that, you know, they feel safe. If they're out in a clear cut somewhere, they run into that reaper rod. If you don't get in there with them right. and get close enough to them, you're not going to have, you're not going to have success at all. If you get in there with them, your success is going to increase a little bit, but it's so thick, the shooting lanes are, are you know, next to none. But that, that, that goes to what, what Gilbert was saying earlier about using those tools. Cause sometimes you can find little pockets, little meadows yeah. in that you'd have no idea were there and you can work your way and they'll go in there and bed down. Yeah, and you can work in there and set up in those areas too, and do some calling. But, but yeah, I, I, I always start out with cow calls because they're they're the least offensive. They're not gonna they're they're not threatening, and and work your way up from there. Or or before a fighter. Yeah, you know, yeah. E even if you if you're giving calf calls and you get a bull that responds to that, you you don't have to turn to a bull sounds no, stay with what no. he responded to and that's what yeah, that's absolutely. what you're saying guy right yeah that's exactly what i'm saying yeah. i mean it it's it's like you know you got the dimmer on and you set the mood and then <laughs> i don't want to offend anybody <laughs> as soon as they start to drop right you turn yeah. the lights on full bore you're like <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's right. You know, I had a scenario this this rifle season that you know, and I was actually texting Joe back and forth and I knew that if I gave up, I was in a real skinny piece of piece of real estate, man. And if and I got eyes on elk that are about 700 yards from me, right? In a big group, a big herd with some really big bulls, some big satellite bulls and some really big herd bulls. And I told, I text Joe, I said, look, if I make a sound here, I'm probably toast, right? But they're so far on the other side of a barrier that if I don't make a sound, You're I'm dope. never going to get an yeah. opp opportunity to get them to me, right? Yeah. So I knew the only chance I had was never to appeal to the bulls that were in that group. It was to appeal to the lead cow, right? And get her maternal instinct. So I used a lost calf call to try and get pull her to me dude i have never seen a stampede for 600 and some odd yards mm -hmm. i hit that lost calf call three times and i thought my i thought my hunter was gonna faint he said they're all coming i, said, <laughs> I cannot believe this i just sat there maternal in instinct yeah, but I went right <laughs> after her maternal instinct. She lifted her head up, man, and she took off down that mountain, dude, and brought all of the elk with her, except she stopped about 130 yards from the barrier that I needed her to cross. And I had a decoy out on the other side of the barrier, but I think the the lighting was getting so dim that yeah. she didn't really see the decoy very good. And, uh, and I had to shut up then because – I'm in a really small, and when I say a small piece of real estate, man, I'm talking about a piece of brush that's just concealing me and my hunter, right? <laughs> and uh, I mean, so Jab and I've been there before, so I had to be quiet and then just kind of appeal. Every now and then I'd hit that lost calf call, and man, she'd throw her head up and come as close as she could, and the bull would hook her back. He would hook her around and man, my hunter begged. He's like, man, can we just shoot into there? I'm like, no, man, we can't. Don't even put a, a round in your gun yet. You know? Um, but again, I knew that if I 
tried to bugle and this, that, and other, I was probably gonna that was gonna turn them off and maybe have those bulls hook those cows a different direction, you know. So just using that lost calf call was huge. Man, I've never seen that many elk come to me in one set, you know. There were probably 60, 60 head of cows in that group, man. Um, I'd like to give you, because most of the time when we talk about this, we talk in single depth. And what I mean like that is, is so I give a calf call and he responds and I'm staying with the calf call and he responds. That's what I call the original depth of the situation. Sometimes you got to go to different depths by reading the cues. For example, if now I'm giving that calf call and, or a cow call and that bull has come into a certain distance and is now demanding me to come to him, yeah, yeah. I'm not able to do, now I might have to go to a second depth to change that situation because right. now he's demanding for that cow. So I'm not able to go to him. I can shut up. Now there's times yeah. that you can just do that and then let him come and see and try to scent check. Don't ever discount that. Sometimes we feel like the only way we can get him is by continuing calling, right? But yeah. sometimes you can just shut up there. Now, if I'm not and I want to go to another depth and give him a reason why that cow's not going to him, now I can introduce a bull, but I'm not going to introduce a bull by screaming at him, bugling at him. Yeah. I'm going to do some low vocalizations that he is going to recognize as another be bull being with that cow as a reason why she's not coming. So that's what I mean by second depth on things sometimes. So that's so, again, reading the cues, right? So could you level, could you level down on that Joe and then level up to that? And, and would you go, would you go, cow moving away calling or yes, insistent, insistent on that right and try that approach right so and then you know now we got our starting point we level up one step and then that gives us a third option of turning around hitting those you know lower audible bull sounds and then giving the impression that the cow is interested away. over there right and, and you know and, and if i'm got, in provided up. they you're not getting busted by a site you know and, and well right. that's what i was going to say if i have the terrain and the vegetation yes. there, right. there's there's even where i'm going to send my bull vocalizations to another side and then have that cow moving away urgently going like that and then see what that bull does and then i can actually come back in what i call a cow pickle man so i can come back like i'm coming to that bull even though i'm throwing the cow sounds behind me as i'm coming forward right because i don't want him to peg where i'm at i still want him to think that i'm a little further back if i'm solo if i'm not solo and I've, I've got a partner, man, it's on, man, because I'm going to go start, I'm going to be that cow going away with that urgent sound and just pull him right in my toe, right? So, yeah. And you're absolutely. not being quiet, right, Joe? I mean, you're, you're popping brush and tripping. Yeah, man, we're absolutely kicking rocks. Yep, I want to paint the picture. I want to create the scenario. And so when we talk about scenarios, we're talking about painting a picture to convince that bull that there's other elk there doing elk things, right? Yeah. So, so, Tony, so, that's so why Joe, I think oops. we were so so successful in Canada at getting in there tight with that bull was because we sounded like a daggum herd of buffaloes coming through there. Yeah. And I mean, and really weren't trying to, but I mean, it was just the nature of the beast getting through there. He's hearing all that commotion and then boom, we're 60 yards from him. He hears a, a cow whine and man, he's just out through the roof. He's already since, you know, knows that there's been some cow sounds around there. And yep. now he's like, all right, where 
are you girls at, man? I've yeah, been trying I, to find you. you know? I think a lot of people get set up and they do calling and they stay in one spot for exactly. too long. Yeah. And they don't make any sound but elk sounds like like right. vocalizations. vocalizations. Right. They don't they don't walk around or, or you they know, roll any rocks. They don't kick any. Yeah. Yeah. All that stuff that 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 elk yeah. sound like when they're in the woods. Yeah. They don't just stand in one spot and continually call. You know, they move <laughs> around and they they, they 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 trip over roots and kick sticks mm -hmm. and yeah. branches and mm -hmm. all that stuff. Yeah. You got to sound like elk. That's right, right brother. Yeah. Jojo, I was going to say, so, we, you know, we're talking cues. And for me, when we're, whenever we're talking, I am consuming it as a solo hunter, right? right. But then we're yes. talking about that calling scenario and ramping that up, stepping that up levels. And then you had said, if you have a partner, you're in the money. N yes, you are. If your partner is reading the same cue and knows how to respond, right? So it goes back to, we had talked about it a couple of eps ago where you guys got to be on the same page. Your repertoires have to be in sync, right? And, and the guy that is doing the calling has to understand that the fate of your hunting partner and that notch tag in that situation is wow. in your hands, yeah. right? It can't be stagnant, non-dynamic, just like Tony just said, standing there, Mew, 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 mew. In one spot. <laughs> right? It ain't going to work. And your yeah. hunting partner, if he gets it, is going to be pissed. You know, guy, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I hunted with a guy for a few years and, and I'm almost always the caller 99% of the time. And this guy, as, as the shooter that's up in front of me, instead of staying in one spot, now this is, this is how I, this is how I hunt. I, I'm the caller. I'm the one back moving around yes. trying to pull that bull right. to the shooter. Mm -hmm. That shooter stays there in that one spot because that shooter starts moving and he's making sounds. That bull now thinks that the elk is up there closer and, and he hangs up out there or he sees the, the, the moving, shooter. That person yeah. has to stay there. That's, you know, getting to your point about, you know, communicating and being on the same page. This guy drove me nuts because he would he, all the time he was picking up and moving because he thought he could get in better position for that bull. That's my job as the caller. Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, unless you don't have that experience back behind you and they are not doing those types of things, you know. That's so true. it it's got to be a trust consideration type thing. You got to know each other. You got to know the game. There's a lot to it, man. So, yeah, and you, and you, and you got to be willing to blow a few things to get in the middle of it, man. Oh, you will. I mean, Joe, yeah. And we will for sure. <laughs> Joe and I, I mean, we've gotten impatient, uh, didn't wait long enough and step out and man, old Bullwinkle's looking at us going yep. like a dog, you know, going, well, what's up, dude. And, and, yeah, we just got impatient. He'd been there the whole time, you know, yeah. uh, at the end of the day, though, you got to be willing to go look through a little bit of that to, to get the job done. And, and like I said, I'd rather blow five scenarios up and win on the sixth that, one than, that's than a not get to a scenario. That's a difficult situation, Gil. So, yeah. so your dynamic was you got average Joe, the killer yeah. and caller and you, and you realize that, but if you got two guys that are say they're two year vets at it, yeah. right. And, and they're one guy is all over it and he's in base camp or he's listening to podcast and you got the other guy that's kind of sometime he doing it. Right. So then now you have these different skill levels yeah. and, and they're, you know, that is an ugly ebb and flow as they go through that. Well, and it's Andy. different when you know that you got a Tony Gilbertson or, you mm. know, a Joe Gillia yeah. behind you doing that. 
But see, you also got to consider this, like Tony, he's talking from Tony's perspective because he's in the thick crap and up there in Oregon. And so he knows where that hunter is and he can hear that bull and he can really move around and steer him. And uh, you have to recognize the situation because now me, as I'm calling and I have a shooter up there, I need to know I have a killer because I'm in a situation in my timber that once that bull gets there, unless we have the terrain where I'm dropping down behind it or I have thick terrain where I'm not going to be able to make that move sometimes to steer them. I can try doing it with my tube certain directions. Yeah. But what I need is I need to have a killer up there that at that point in time, he's going to have to make a move to make yeah. sure that he's in position to kill that animal. So it works both ways, Tony, on that sometimes depending on the situation, right? Yeah, absolutely. The terrain and your cover is going to dictate yep. how that's going to play out for sure. Right. Yeah. Yep. When we blew that bull up in Canada, my, my he didn't know who we were. He didn't know what we were. He blew out of there when he blew, and he didn't really like just go out of there like he was his hair was on fire like he smelled us right he had no clue he turned out of there he didn't go 30 yards and he chuckled i'm like oh he has no clue who we are yeah. so i man my first thing was i dove off there like a you know somebody shot me out of a cannon and dylan and, and brian hagler they were looking at each other like where is this dude going you know <laughs> i mean what is going on here i dove off and brian come around to my left i said go to the left i said if i can pull him back this way up and i pulled him within 52 yards of him he just didn't he didn't feel comfortable taking that shot you know uh and he goes i would have never done that i'm like what did you think it was over? I mean, he he had no clue what we were. He chuckled at us when he went away. So again, the aggressiveness statement. You know, sometimes sure. you got to do things to give yourself an opportunity, right? Yeah, yeah. And I was going to go kill him. I didn't care it, yeah. if he gave me a, if I could stop him at 45, 50 yards and get him turned around, looking at me, he's done. You know, and he he had no clue really what we were. He just knew that. Man, there should have been a bunch of elk in there. And when I was standing there, I seen this big, ugly fellow breathing smoke out of his mouth. And he's like, man, what was that? You know, it sure as hell didn't look like another elk or a bull, you know? So um, again, man, you got to, like Tony said, you got to read the room and 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 then, you know, w be willing to risk it, you know, yeah. if you're going to yeah. get in there and kill. Them. No risk, no reward, man. Yeah. So, hey, Tony, um, we just got done talking about miscues. But I know for yourself, you wanted to talk a little bit about a misread sometimes. I mean, uh, tell us about uh, this Ridge Overlook. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off.
After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Yeah. Uh, this was just a, a, a rookie mistake on my part. And, and, and that just, I mean, I'm not going to say that, that uh, well, I will say it. I, I know a lot of hunters out there that are way more experienced than I am, especially early on in the season, have these same types of issues that occur for them. They make mistakes, and they're mistakes that, you know, they wouldn't normally make, but you just don't think. So... Uh, my son and I are, you know, we take this trail up to the top of the ridge and there's a road system back in there that we usually walk out and get down to where we know these elk normally hang out. Well, instead of doing that, I, I decided to cut up through this clear cut and then I get up on top of this ridge. I'm looking down over this giant clear cut and it's four or 500 yards across and the sun is shining on most of it. Right. Um, so I got my... I got my binos out and I'm, I'm looking out there and I'm trying to, you know, see if there's any elk out there and nothing. So I, I just, you know, throw out a few cow calls and, and don't get any response. So I, I throw out a locate bugle and off to my right, probably 350 yards right along the timber line in the shadows, in the shade, I saw a, a six by six bull one of the biggest Roosevelt bulls I've ever seen in my life with about, I don't know, eight, six or eight cows take off running in, into the, into the, into the reap rod. And so, I mean, that, that, that was just a mistake on my part. Had I, had I paid closer attention and, and, and that was getting later into the morning where the bulls are moving out of the, the elk or moving out of the clear cut you know, going towards your bedding areas. And, and that's where you really want to pay attention is along those, along the timber lines. Because if they're going to be out there at that time of the morning, this is, this is probably, I don't know, by that time, sun was well up 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning. And by that time, those bulls are headed to bed, right? And uh, yeah, I paid a little closer attention and, and, and looked into the shadows in the shade there where the sun wasn't shining, I may have been able to pick out those elk and come up with a different game plan to use the terrain and the cover that I had available to get in closer to those elk and potentially have a, have a, a you know, a shot on them. So, so, so you're saying that your, your rookie mistake was where you made that bugle from because of where they were at, had you been in a different situation because they're, they, then looked your way and just blew them out. Two two mistakes. Mm -hmm. First mistake was not not paying Looking. closer attention to the to the areas that you know weren't mm -hmm. out in the sunshine where it was more obvious where you'd see elk. So in the, in the shadows along that tree line, 
And then, yeah, you know, making elk sounds from, from a, a vantage point where they could see me. See, yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and you know, obviously there's no elk there, right? And if you How far away were sounds, they from you, bud? They're 300, 300, 350 yards, something like Do that. Do you know how many people, if they would have spotted them there, would have still bugled? Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. That, I, absolutely. I've seen it. I've seen it so many times. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's a good point, Joe. I mean, that, that's, that's just, these are, these are things that, that, that really can, can in, influence an outcome, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it, you have to remember that. And, and some of those details that you don't think about, you just, you kind of, you walk in there, you don't see anything, you don't hear anything. You don't see the amount of sign that you normally see throughout a bugle thinking that they're probably already in the timber by now and they're not quite there and they look in your direction they don't see elk or they happen to see you know humans then yeah right they, yep. they bust you, out of there yeah so what i'd like to do with that situation right there for all those rosy people that are tuned in you're up there 300 yards you're at a vantage point you spot that bull over there in the side what is your, what what would have been your next move my next move would have been back down off of that ridge out of their line of sight, mm-hmm. get over along the tree line and work my way down. Like I said, use that terrain and that cover to get in closer to them. And you, you, there's no way you could have been quiet enough to sneak up within shooting distance, mm-hmm. but at least you can watch them and find out where they go in to that timber, that reprod patch and work your way down in there and get close to them that way. When they took off, they were already spooked, and those those elk aren't just going to wander into the timber. They took off running, right? And and you know you can't really at that point once they're spooked like that, um, it, it's really hard to turn that around. So for you, like after you played the terrain, because this is always interesting. Were those elk vocal? Were you hearing those elk being vocal at all? They were quiet elk, no, right? They were, yeah, not a peep. They never made a, they never made a sound until they busted out and and the elk scattered and they got into that reprod and that bull couldn't see all his cows. Then he bugled to round them up, and that was the last sound I heard. They, right. They so, and again, because. I got a rosy guy on here and you've got that situation. You go down, you get to the terrain. These guys haven't made a sound because sometimes, and I've done this, I've gone all the way in on elk without making a noise and got myself in position because where they were at, at in great position, made a call that from a, a location where they have not heard anything coming in because I did the Mohican sneak in, did a call and all that did was Boom! It just blew everything out, man, because, again, there was no elk that was introduced. There was no reason why there should have been a call coming from that, and it just totally blew them out. So, would you know, in your situation, when they go in there and they haven't been vocal, what is your play on your rosies? So, I... For me, if I'm if I'm working my way down through a clear cut like that, I don't see any elk, and the, and I and and by that time they've gone into the timber, and I know it. Right. I'm I'm starting to make elk sounds a, a long way from where they've gone into the timber, so but they I'm, can't see you. Right. They yeah. can't see me. I'm I'm making noise. I'm not trying to be quiet. 
I'm walking through that clear cut, stepping on sticks and, and kicking over logs and stuff, and I'm, I'm just making soft cow calls. And that way, you know, they, they ex, you know they're, they're hearing what they believe to be other elk, and, and it gives you the opportunity to get in. And once you get into that reap rod, then you can, then for me, I stop and I listen. And I try to hear and, 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 and maybe pick up where they are, because once they get in there, it's, it's hard to track them. It's hard to see them. So really, you have to use all your senses. Get in there. Just sit in there and listen for a while. And then if you don't hear anything, work your way through there, just kind of zigzagging back and forth because it's thick. And just, just making a few soft cow sounds. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, if, if they don't ever, if they don't ever vocalize, then, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. The hunting, hunting this country over in this thick stuff is just, if they're not vocal, it's hard. Yeah. So that, that, that's one of the things that I wanted to make sure that was heard because, you know, when you are going to introduce yourself, because if you're in a situation, you can't stock up on them. Like you were saying, then you got to think of something and, and the, the, for us as callers is bringing them to us or giving a reason to come to us. Right. Or being able to move towards them that we can get in their proximity, sounding like another elk that's coming in there. So I, I just wanted to let people know that sometimes it's, you got to really make sure that you introduce that. you got, again, you got to read the room. You got silent elk and all of a sudden you're sounding off from right next to them. That's not natural either. So, right. yeah. And I've done that same thing, Joe, where, where, you know, you're off in the distance and you're calling, you're working way down there towards them. And I actually had them come back out looking for you. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, then I shut up again. Yeah. I, I duck down, mm -hmm. I wait until they mm -hmm. go back in and then I start all over again, working down and get, get in there and closer on them. But yeah. Uh, it, it, Tony, you know, would you say it's easier for you when you have eyes on them? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, if, if you, especially when they're not vocal. I mean, as far as I know, if I hadn't seen them, I, I wouldn't have thought that they were out there. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's my key, right? Is I'll get them in the glass and then I just cut the distance. Oh, and yeah, lens, most definitely. Yeah, it lends itself mm -hmm. to a lot of walking. <laughs> yeah. but, but I mean, you put yourself in the yeah, animals, but the first right? time you, you make a peep, they know you're there. Well, and right. that's the thing, right? Is I'll glass them. You know, I might be sitting on on the the west ridge, glass over to the east ridge, and see them. You know, moving around on that slope. I'm getting over to that that east face off of that east ridge. And you can and then do I'll that. You can do that in Colorado and there's you units in eastern Oregon yeah. that you can do that. Over here on the coast range, unless they're in a clear cut, you, you, you can, there's no there's no yeah, sense in glassing because you're not going to see them. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's kind of so, like so, northern. So something like that. Yeah. How are, how are you guys using cameras or how do you, how are you turning them up, Tony? Are you camera, putting cameras out pre-season or anything uh, like that? I do. I do put a few cameras out. Um, and then I just, I go out ahead of season and I just look for sign, you yeah. know, I, I look for, for tracks. I, you know, this year was just, it was so weird. I never saw, I never saw a rub over here until, and the, and the season started a week later this year. I never saw a rub over here until a week, a good solid week into the season. And I saw two rubs over here the, the whole time I was over here, which is, which was just two weeks before I went to Idaho. So since we were talking about calling, RC, you, um, you, you got a chance to see during our coach camp this year, you had the opportunity to see 
um, what coaching was going on for calling and, you know, some of the things that we're experiencing and you got to see the growth and everything like that. What did you, what did you pick up, up on as the biggest calling mishaps or misconceptions or mistakes that you were seeing coming out of guys? Well, I think one of the biggest things is that, uh, you put a diaphragm in your mouth and you call and you think, oh, yeah, I got this down. I got this down. Yeah. Well, you really need to have, uh, I think that what I would do if I was a beginner, I would take and record myself. And then I would take probably that little recorder and I'd set it out in the woods and see what it sounded like. See if that sounded like an elk or not. A lot of times we we make these sounds that we think that they're they're perfect and they're not. I mean, isn't that what we elk, heard from the guys? Uh, I, I thought I sounded good. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And yeah, whatever. I thought I thought I was doing the right thing. You know, well, what was beautiful about that is that you know we sat down with thirty minutes and saying, well, this is what you need to do. Well, in cow calls and bugling. You know, we were trying to get him to grunt and, you know, put a little growl in there and he could, he couldn't do it. And I just said, well, take that diaphragm out of your mouth and growl. Can you growl like a dog? You know, and sure enough, he, he, that's what he did, you know, well, oh, okay. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. You know, well, after he did that, he picked that up, but it's a lot of times uh, the issue with that I saw that they thought they were doing the right thing. It's like and singing in the shower. Sound, yeah. 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 Everybody sounds um, like Mariah Carey in the shower. Exactly. You know? <laughs> I don't sound like Mariah Carey. I sound like Charlie Pride. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you understand what I'm saying is that I'm, I'm you so need to. Uh, have somebody else listen to you or, I mean, especially go outside because uh, you do it in a, in a truck or you do it indoors. It's a totally different sound, I think. And it's yeah. just like, and, you know. and what you sound like on, on this end of the tube sounds mm -hmm. way different than it does coming out this end of the tube. Exactly. So I think to what you were saying, recording. Not on our tube, Tony. Not an R2. Not, <laughs> not an R2. The solo sounds so good. Sorry, <laughs> <right>, bro. <laughs> uh, yeah, but re recording yourself and listening to that, playing that back, uh, so you, you really get a sense of what you truly sound like. I think that's a, I think that's a great tip. Guy, you you led us in our in our coaching session on the call in, in camp in very appreciative of you doing that with us oh, dude. Man, and, yeah and and uh i got to be there to help you and, and help our guys too and uh just wanted to hear from you um what do you and i mean look we made it happen in about an hour really just working mm -hmm. with them and they grew exponentially i mean they had in an hour base. they were 10 times better than they were when they showed up they had you know? a good base yeah. the practice they had put in right mm -hmm. so 
I mean, not all of them. I don't I mean, know. If we're being, know, if Joe, we're being honest, Joe, yeah, no. Some of them, I was like, man, didn't Joe coach you guys? Because man, that's his realm, yeah. and we're over here repairing and putting duct tape and WD forty you know, on Joe, it. Their gear was trained. Their gear was trained. Their oh failure mechanisms were, were addressed, but they're calling Joe. I don't know. I don't know what happened with the boys. Could shoot a bow. They needed to draw, Joe. They knew well, that was the number one failure mechanism. They knew they needed to draw, man. But, what, but it, had, it goes had, right had, back to what RC was just saying, right? And, and Tony was saying is, and I think recording yourself is part of it, but having someone who is better or more adept in calling and, and has a, uh, more experience, we'll say, um, having them listen to you call too is huge. The problem that I found when we first sat down is that they were call shy and they didn't want to be embarrassed right? and, and do yeah, those calls. Yeah. And I think, Joe, that's why we had an issue when you're like, send me recordings. This is going to be the number one biggest failure point if you don't have this and you weren't getting the audio that you should have been getting. And it showed oh. when we were in the woods. I mean, you know, yeah. and, and God bless his heart, Bob, we were out there and Bob called and I'm like, dude, we're going back to camp because we are going to get this calling. And that was really the trigger for me to get him back to camp. And then talking to Gil, Gil's like, oh man, these boys need some work on the calling. Well, let's sit down. And the fact that we had myself, Gil, RC and Chav there and everyone was able to listen and input and give them input. And it was, you know, it's AVK, right? Everybody learns differently and everybody coaches differently. So they're hearing this, you know, RC had input, I had input, Gil had, and I mean, these boys turned around 45 wow. minutes to an hour and I was like, okay, now we can get out there in the woods. Now we're ready. Now we're rocking. This is where you should have been before you put them god dang boots on this morning instead of sounding like a coyote done bitch you in the hiney. Um, it was so you've gotten <laughs> so good with your vocabulary, bro. That's not what I heard the last time you said that. Hey, I, I what he said know. in camp, but I like the coyote biting behind me. Bite behind me. Yeah, That's like camp that. talk. This is I, podcast hey, talk. Right? I absolutely I'm, love you, man. You too. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to tone it down. Oh, you ain't got there is locker room talk. I'm not in no locker room talking to nobody. That's camp talk, buddy. <laughs> so, so guy, did you guys did you guys all talk to him about using uh, instead of diaphragm using the external recall? One hundred percent. I'm glad you brought that up, uh, yeah. Mister Tony, because yeah. I think that's where this needs to keep going. Is when you don't when you're not so proficient with it. There's some really good externals it's, out there. That it is a prideful time. thing, I and know. we watched it for guys to use a diaphragm and not external because right. the Tony Gilbertsons of the world, the <laughs> Ogilias of the world, you name it, right? The Dirk Durham's, whoever it is, yeah. you don't see these guys even with signature externals. You don't see them using the externals as much and then signature diaphragms i know some some star spangled banner ones that have a certain yeah. gentleman's name on it right we got the burnham reds where's the external at boys don't ask yeah. me that question you I guys got, got one from daggum calls <laughs> but i think it's a pride thing because it's what's presented well i i i honestly feel like i still truly believe 
that if all you have is that external, you're creating a slight limitation in your ability to succeed on a critter that gets close because of the movement with the hands and different things like that. And because of the volume that Mm -hmm. that you get with those, the directional with them. So, you know, it's great to get, especially to change your voice and in a distance and to give something to get that when nothing else is working. But when it comes to once those critters get in there, I really think, the more that you are able to use that diaphragm, you're giving yourself a little bit better, right? But now, you ain't even in the game if you can't use the diaphragm. Uh, At least for the external, you're in the game. Have you? Yeah. I, I've heard but, guys blow externals, and it's just biting the right butt cheek like instead of the left. <laughs> no, 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 no doubt, but man, they're a whole lot easier to maintain. Yeah, but yeah. but depending on where the band is at, if yeah. they're using the band, where they're placing that external, they're biting down on the external. Is it it's up? Hard. Is it down? Is it teeth? It's is it lifts? up at Green There's, Weenie, man. But it's really hard it's, to mess it's up. It's hard you can mess when you it. have you can, your experience. You can mess it up. Yeah. Because I have. I've yeah. had the green weenie in my mouth, and I was blowing it, and I had a big bull come in. Kermit. I dropped it's this and I didn't take it out of my mouth, was, and it went. Thought, it was not me for once, Joe. I thought this was, was podcast not. talk. Where is my <laughs> What Where is it one? called? Oh, I'll you call need. it the hyper cow call. Then I'm sorry. I didn't yeah. mean. Yeah. I didn't mean to say that. Whatever. No, no, no you were fine, bro. You didn't I, say I, anything I, wrong. These gentlemen have their mind in the gutter or in the locker room, wherever they get into their their talk. There, RC. We'll just keep it clean here. Dude, you said that. You said that, and I I looked at Guy and I just I kept a straight face, dude. I was the only one. I was the only one that wasn't going crazy on that. Yeah, just let yeah, RC you're, roll you're right terrible, through Chav. it. Chav was down there, and Chav was like, "What?" <laughs> That's what she said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't deal with this group anymore. You guys are okay, just getting okay. a little bit too clean for me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So <laughs> but one thing I wanted to go back to if I can, man. Uh, as long as it's not wieners, we're okay. Yeah, as long as it's not wieners, <laughs> we're all right. Don't be blowing on that green weenie no more, God dog. <laughs> So one uh, thing is that I found though that with these guys, man, I got I, my eyes are burning now. But uh, <laughs> it is that one thing that you get when we are there in close proximity, and that's one reason I wanted videos of the guys is because I needed to see what they were doing with their mouth, right? Yeah. Well, my mistake is is that they, and that's where they get that when we're doing that repetition, they get to see the different things when we're making a sound with that call, how Mm -hmm. we are moving our mouth as well. Like, you know, instead of using the lips, instead of doing clenched teeth, you know, the common mistakes I saw with them. And, you know, a lot of these guys were like, Mm -hmm. the doc, man, doc had lock jaw, man. He did not want to call. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're when they're able to see that, when they're able to see the jaw dropping, when they're able to see and and this I think a reason that a lot of guys are not able to do what the diaphragm call is not because they don't have the ability to. I think they just don't have a lot of things physically correct and doing things, you know, with with their 
Well, and it's harder for them to manage their air too, Joe. Yeah, you know? and it's it's so personal too. It is. Yes. Yes. You know, we had guys that you know were trying to. They're trying to make on the front end so much because at low tones the air goes out, man. And then by yeah. the time they got to a high tone, they didn't have got any left, right? Yeah. So yeah. there were a lot of reasons for that, man. Um, you know, look, guys, we've been here for a while now. This has been uh, fantastic right here. I think there were so many cool things. I think we still have a list of some yeah. of these mistakes and miscues. Um, our listeners out there, look, y'all, uh, first of all, happy holidays. Happy Thanksgiving. God bless all of you, uh, your families. Uh, cherish that time. Cherish those moments. Um yeah. And if you're listening to this and you like what you're hearing, because I'm telling you, um, we have still scratched the surface on, on our list of some of these things that we have been seeing. If you want to con- hear more of these, um, let us know or we're going to move on to something else. Right. Um, yeah. And and go from there. So uh, if you're if you want to hear more of the mistakes, miscues and misconceptions list, um, just email us um go on the comments you know in youtube and say tell me more all right if yeah. you want to see yeah that. i mean we, we still have four or five topics that we can you know that we can roll off to joe absolutely i mean there's so much um uh, i still haven't gotten to a lot of them that i have on mine um i know we haven't talked about going back to the same well i know we haven't talked really a lot about setup we mentioned some aggressiveness um we mentioned a little bit about when going quiet but there's a lot of those things in there that that are, yeah. I still think. And when we talk about calling, there is so much to this nuance right here yeah. that, um, that that's huge. But we're going to call it at this point right here um, and get ready. Guys, I, and I want to wish each and every one of you guys. You I know, got you, brother. I, I, I'm so right. thankful for all of y'all because you take a lot of time. We don't get pay for any of this. This is what? <laughs> you're not doing this for free oh, all right all right your checks yeah. in the mail brother right right yeah. back at you joe yeah. this is Check this has been mail. this has been it's, so fun it's just from our passion um and yeah. we, we love when we get um responses from all y'all out there because i hope you know that what we're doing here and the people and the men that are joining with me right now they're taking time away from their families. Um, they're taking time from things that I know they have busy, busy lives, uh, each and every one of them. Um, and they're here trying to help you be, have some incredible experiences and and become successful out there on all yeah. different levels. So um, I want to thank all of y'all personally for being here and the time you spent. And, you know, to our other brothers who aren't here, you know, to the mafia that's not here, to Cody, um, to our other guys out there, the Ridge Runner, the Flatlander, uh, Travis O'Shea over there, all the people that have come in and made this something special. Um, His crew, Dylan Hagler, uh, or Dylan Cadman and and Brian Hagler, you know, Mary, uh, happy Thanksgiving to all of them. All all of our brothers. Do Canadians celebrate Thanksgiving? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if they ought to. <laughs> they got one of the most unbelievable uh, uh, 
ecosystems I've ever seen in my life uh, in elk habitat. They just got to do some things to help themselves, man. They got to get a hold to some of their predators, man. Cause uh, it's uh, they got some elk there, but man, them predators are wearing them out. Well, let me tell Mm -hmm. you what I'm hoping because we got States that um, they have things that are getting hit with all the time where we're ending up with some predator pits as well. So no doubt. uh, we need to take care of it here at home um, as well. And we need to be diligent about that. But, you know, I'm just going to stay on the thankful theme for all of y'all, for all the people that listen to us Likewise. and help what we are. <laughs> it's you, it's crazy, Joe. I mean, we're coming up on episode how many? This is 207 right here. 207. Um, this started three years ago with, you know, <laughs> us just poking around and wanting to be in elk camp. And um, it's grown into something that I'm so proud to be part of and so blessed to be part of getting to meet world champion elk callers like mm-hmm. Tony Gilbertson and, you know, having, Pleasure, him, having him on our mm-hmm. show. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've been so blessed to grow up with some of the best elk 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 hunters and elk callers around me it's kind of not fair but at the end of the day we've had to put a tremendous amount of work in to get the content out to to our brothers that are out in the in the elk woods and we just want to help people yeah brothers and sisters that's right young people brothers sisters all walks of life man we're here to try to cut that learning curve down so you too can be successful when you go in the woods and guys, if you like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate and review. You know, you, you got to go to Apple podcast or iTunes to review us and be sure to include your name and where are you from to get in our drawing from our spin a winter wheel, a always, winter something, wheel. always something real cool. Uh, and you can check out more elk hunting content at elk bros. Dot com And just a reminder, if any of our listeners out there would like their questions answered on our show, uh, just send your, your questions to info at elkbros.com. That's I-N-F-O at elkbros.com. And like we say down here in the Lone Star State, husbands, kiss your wives, wives, kiss your husbands, hug your babies, keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Turkey Day, folks. Happy Turkey Thank Day. You. Staring out in the wild, all I see is trees. It don't take much of my time when I'm looking for peace. Quiet and the solitude leave the world behind. It's gone crazy. them all change there's headlights in the straightaway where i used to see for days and 5 a.m is rush hour and half the world is sick and the kids in a new generation they can't even drive a stick shift we need to hit the pause button start thinking about a different way If we could just get back to the old days. Now they want to clean the air up and run cars on batteries. There's new drugs hitting the streets these days, turning dirtbags into zombies. They're littering up the streets, shooting 
them needles in their veins And they get a right to vote without any brains Look who's running the country, Democrats or Republicans We can't even work together, I thought that we were all Americans So let's take out the trash Start thinking about a different way If we could just get back To the old days The old days were wild They said the West was one You never stole from anybody Or you'd see the South side of a gun Staring down the hammer About to close your eyes When the man that you had stolen from Was the devil in disguise I remember as a kid Hearing about that electric chair It's bad for real bad people There's a reason they're sitting there Just get back to the old days.